there's an explosion right now of new ideas in the music industry, especially in the digital space. The best of these ideas either expand upon existing formats to create something better, or create new income streams for artists from what they're already putting into the world. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. Support for the future of what comes from Merch Table. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, Merch Table partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit merchtable.com to learn more and open a store today. On today's episode, we talk to some new companies doing exciting things in the digital space. It's all coming up on the future of what? Support for the future of what comes from SoundExchange, which provides royalty solutions and advocacy to ensure all music creators are paid what they're owed. You're listening to the future of what? I'm talking to Chad Royce and Chris Jones from Ursa Music. Hey guys, welcome to the future of what? Hey Portia, how's it going? Nice to be here. Yeah, great to have you. So who wants to start and give us the overview? What is Ursa Music? Tell us all about it. Ursa Music is a new music streaming platform that is artist-centric. On Ursa, we allow artists to connect with their music that their fans stream, and they can go about creating content and context around that. So they can post photos, videos, liner notes. We pull in lyrics. In the future, we'll have live streaming. We have ticket sales, merch. Our goal is to consolidate everything into one space. So it's not only easy for artists to manage that space, it's also convenient for fans to be able to get everything they need in one place anchored by that music. So how we differentiate is that artists are actually on the platform, able to control these profiles, are able to create content, publish content, both in their profile area, and all of this content as well goes to a feed. And we also have something called additional artwork where they can actually attach an image to a song or an album, creating another sort of musical identity in our music player, which is a really interesting groundbreaking music player. So that is sort of one portion of it, and I know Chad will follow up on that. Yeah, I mean, we've had a chance to kind of look at how other streaming services do it. And, you know, a lot of the streaming services had gone all in on the kind of audio side of it, listening experience, the passive, you know, tap a song and then put your phone away. What makes us different is Ursa is built for engagement. So you tap a song and you get the cover art screen, just like you have on Spotify or Apple Music. But then you swipe over and you get all this additional content. You know, it opens up a whole world of content that the, the fan can kind of engage with and go deeper while they're listening. So that first screen was really important to me. The first screen is the credit screen. So, you know, this is where the producer, the engineer, the mixer, the instrumentalist, the drummer, the guitar player would get credit for that song that's currently playing. And each one of those profiles are tappable you can tap the producer's name let's say if you like the production you can go to his profile he's got an active profile there where he can add his own videos let's say he wants to add a video about you know music production or whatever he wants but he'll also have his discography right there so you can literally tap a credits button there on his profile and see everything he's produced so you can really go down a rabbit hole of this sort of network that we're building then you swipe again in the music player. And then you got, like Chris was saying, artwork. We're calling artwork, which I kind of think of as almost like an Instagram feed for that release, for that album or that, or, or that single. And so it's, you know, all related to that song that's playing. It's, you know, whether it's pictures from the studio or live images or whatever that artist wants to add to kind of give that visual context for that song. You swipe again, you get liner notes, which is totally new. It's something that's kind of gone missing since music was digitized. You know, that's sort of a, place where the artist can write about the the inspiration for the song or the story behind the song or the you know the, the process of recording maybe the production notes just anything to kind of add context that's interesting it might be information that you might find on a wikipedia or something but in this case you can get it right there it's right at your fingertips you don't have to go out and search for that info on you know in google or something then you swipe again you get lyrics we're pulling all of them in through Lyric Mind. You can like, comment, and share on all this content. So again, there's that engagement part. And I swipe again, and then you get any upcoming shows in the next screen, which, as Chris said, you can tap any one of those events 
and it'll take you to a screen where you can buy tickets. Wow. A point to note is that producers, engineers, mixers, all these so co-contributors actually can be on Ursa and control their profiles, which you don't get on typical streaming services. We really felt like it was important to bring them back into the fold so they could represent themselves. Obviously, it's important for them to get work. It's also interesting from a fan perspective to see, as Chad pointed out, you can go down that rabbit hole and check out their discography and find new music that way. This more granular discovery, we think, is the future also of music listening in general, as opposed to just sort of general moods or what have you. People can really begin to get into the nitty gritty and look for things that are specialized for them around their listening. So we feel like that's really important to note and it's a, a, a differentiator for us. It sounds really, really cool and exciting. I think what's interesting for the industry right now is, you know, we're pretty seasoned right now in terms of streaming. Like streaming has now been a tried and proven thing for the last few years. Not necessarily, I mean, Spotify is not necessarily profitable, but it's certainly being used. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like a really interesting time to enter the marketplace with a new streaming platform that adds all these other features. Are you guys going to monetize it in a similar fashion like subscription? Yes, it's a, it's a music subscription just like Spotify or Apple Music, $9.99 a month. It's actually free to use. Well, when any user taps play on a song, they get a 30-day free trial. So they have 30 days to listen to all the music they want. And then after that 30 days is up, the next time they tap play on a song, we, we ask you to subscribe. If the user chooses not to subscribe, then they still can use all of the features of the app. As an artist, they can still build profiles. They can add all that additional content, the photos, the videos, the artwork, the, the liner notes. And that's totally free. And as a fan, you can explore all that content. As soon as you want to use the app to listen or view lyrics, then we ask you to subscribe. That's where the paywall goes up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I find this fascinating, but probably because of my age, you know, I'm older. <laughs> I'm in my late 40s. And that means that I was a kid in the in the 80s when when you bought an album, first of all, it was going to probably be an LP sure. and or a CD in a long box, which right. is embarrassing. I never liked that. Or cassette, actually, you know, cassettes were a big thing too. But like the first thing you do is you'd go home, you'd put it on, and you'd open up the packaging. Mm -hmm. And like while the song was playing, you were like reading who was the drummer and who was the producer and who was, you know, who did they thank in the liner notes and you were reading the lyrics. And so it's like a sort of an immersive experience that we've weirdly lost in the digital age. So this is like a very, I mean, to me, it's very exciting because it feels like not only is it getting back to something that we lost for people my age, but it's like a whole new way of doing this for people who are younger because, you know, I'm sure a lot of them are Googling the artist while they're listening to the song. Yeah, and then, right. but, you know, like you said, they have to leave the platform to find more information. Yeah, that's a point of frustration. I mean, you know, in the beginning when I would talk to fans, both Chad, it should be noted, both Chad and I are musicians and we sort of created this thing from an artist perspective, artist centered from the ground up. So that's a point we're noting as well. When I was out of the world, it was always a matter of, hey, you want to hear what I'm doing? It was always like, go to this, go to this, go to this, go to this other thing. And that seemed like a lot of work for any fan to have to undergo or to try and flow through because why not just have it there in one spot around the music? It just seemed like a complication and a complexity that wasn't necessary. Right now, we look at streaming services. We see our streams going up and up and up, but we can't actually engage with those people right there where they're listening to the music. And that just seemed like a missed opportunity. So the idea of consolidation and engagement, just making a platform where music is the anchor to all this other experience, where to your point, you're getting to view all the other things that sort of came along with music back in the day. So we know a lot of younger users, it'll be still new to them. This is going to be something they're introduced to for the first time. And that could be exciting. You know, the things that they didn't know they wanted, but now they're getting a little taste of it and it could be resonating with them. We're also looking for these artist creators in the SoundCloud community. A lot of these kids who've been on that platform since, you know, 2009, who are looking for a new home. We have all of these features here at their disposal that they're going to be able to use for free to engage with their audience. They're also going to be making money, obviously, by each stream. So if we have SoundCloud kids who's got their stuff distributed through TuneCore or DistroKid or CD Baby, we're going to have their music so they can connect to that music catalog and then they're going to be able to go to town. And that's going to be really exciting. We're already talking to a lot of younger users who are in that demographic who use SoundCloud. They're looking for a new home. 
And we're hoping we're going to migrate them into the space so they can actively create content for fans in a way that is not being currently done. And we feel like this sort of marriage between that active artist in that SoundCloud area with the streaming, with this fan, sort of these three different demographics is going to be really exciting. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really cool. What are you guys going to do? Because one of the big, you know, right now, the streaming services don't offer all this extra content, but what they do offer as their sort of offering is playlists. Right. So is there going to be a playlisting component to Ursa? Definitely. Absolutely. So we'll have not only curated playlists that we will curate ourselves in the search screen area where you will have rap playlists and indie music playlists and pop playlists, all that kind of stuff. We'll also, we're going to be integrating with a service called Grace Note. They will be powering our sort of recommendations engine. So we'll have that experience that you, you know, that you're used to on Spotify or Pandora or Apple Music where you can generate a playlist based on an artist or an album or a song. You can generate a playlist based off a mood. You can generate a playlist based off of just about anything. And we can even, for instance, use all the data that we're, we're, we're going to be collecting, for instance, credits to generate playlists. So let's say we know that you like this one album. Well, why don't we throw some songs in there that are produced by the producer that produced that album? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. That was my first thought too. Is it, you know because in the in the old days it was used to be fun. Everybody used to really pay attention to like the family tree of bands. Right. Like oh, this drummer played in this band, but he, she also played in this band and this band, and you know. And then you're like oh, and then that guitar player was in this other band. And to me, that's one of the really fun parts of music is tracing where everybody's roots are and where everybody started and totally. the musicians. You know following their careers. So this is like a cool way to do that. I completely agree. And it, you used to have to kind of hold all that information in your head. It wasn't connected for you. But one, one of the things that's great about how we're doing this digitally is that we can kind of connect all those dots. Exactly. So the younger users who never really, you know, maybe they don't know about credits or they, it's not in their sort of consciousness, their psyche. But I think once they see it and they see the value of kind of getting who's behind the music and how important that is and the rabbit holes that you can go down and find other great music and the discovery that you can sort of go through using the credits. I think people are really going to love it. Yeah. You know, foundationally, we're going to have all of the things that users should expect from a streaming service, except we're going beyond that offering. We're, we're getting deeper into the engagement uh, making this experience completely comprehensive and thorough for both artists and fans. And again, having our artists on the platform, creating this content every day is really what's going to make it thrive, in our opinion. So just want that to be clear. You can, when you come on to yeah, Earth, yeah. you should expect everything that you get on other streaming services and then some. Right. I was just going to add one more point about the credits, which are important to note, is that you can add credits right there in the platform. So as an artist, you can take your release. Let's say you're a SoundCloud artist that doesn't necessarily have a record label. You can still go on there and say, okay, I'm going to invite my producer, my engineer, my drummer, and you know, whoever contributed and they can be credited right then and there as long as they accept the credit. So we send out the credit invitation to those people via email or if they're on the platform, they get a notification and they can accept or decline the credit. If they decline it, then they can sit, let's say it's the wrong credit or it's, it's not you know, the, the person invited the credit for percussion and not drums and the person wanted drums, they can write back and say, no, I actually, I want this credit. And so what's great about that is it's double verified. It's not, not just one side saying this is the credit, which tends to lead to a lot of inaccuracies in crediting. So this is an attempt to kind of fix that and make sure that everything on earth is totally accurate. I love that. That is so exciting. And, you know, I just think for the benefit of our listeners, because to me, this is like such a no brainer, right? Like, because this is how music used to be, was it came with all the information. I think it's worthwhile to mention that, you know, when the iTunes store started, which was really where digital music started to be like legitimized and, right. you know, commoditized, there was a big convention. And basically, Steve Jobs said publicly, we're not going to put any information on this music other than the name of the artist 
and the song and the album. Right. He, he said they're specifically, they were not going to put like record label information on there. And I think, you know, because the music industry is such a patchwork of historical accidents, this is one of those historical accidents, right? Because Steve Jobs decided that it was more important to have the Apple brand, the iTunes brand, be at the forefront of this new thing. Then all of the other services that came along were able to discount all of this other information, starting with the name of the record label yeah. through the rest of the credits, you know? And that's, I think, how we ended up here. I think you're right. They just kind of went along with it because they were like, well, we don't know what this new world is going to look like quite yet. So we're going to get involved with the biggest player exactly, and and see what, what happens. And we understand it's going to be, you know, ups and downs. And eventually people caught on to, hey, you know, it is important that we have credits. It is important that these people are getting their due. And in many other areas where we're now sort of taking more control back from that space and just like, sure, let's just go along with your company's sort of uh, position and, and see what happens. I think it seems like it's starting to change. There's more of an awareness. And, and I think obviously yeah. we are centrally coming from that philosophy that it is important to make sure that the artists are represented fairly, the co-contributors are represented fairly. And we think because of all those things, it's going to give fans a better experience. So it doesn't yeah. seem like you have to strip those things away. Those only enhance the music listening experience. Exactly. But that's like, you know, so in a way, you're not only creating something cool that's new in the marketplace, but you're also sort of writing a historical wrong in a lot of ways. And I think fans will find value. I think the artists will find value. And I think the industry will find value. I mean, especially, you know, because wearing my record label owner hat from, you know, two months ago, it would be amazing to be able to connect artists that are on the same label and to have playlists that are like, you know, these are all of our artists that are on this label, you know, which is really something that it's been very difficult to do in the past, just because that information wasn't part of the forward facing information that, that the fans get to see. So cool guys. That's awesome. What's the timeline? When is this going to roll out to the public? We are in private beta right now and we're in the process of ingesting millions of artists and albums and singles. And so that should be about a two-week process. We expect to go into more of a public beta at that time. Let's call it mid-November and a sort of a soft launch end of the year, a hard launch early 2020. Cool. Well, thanks you guys for doing this. I think it's really cool. So Chad and Chris from Ursa Music, thanks for being with me on the future of what? Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Hear me out. I've been losing all the time out of love As if the misery were designed to cast a spell Only hurts Through the hands That's behaving like a curse Is the reason to the run Well
was The Hex by Horse Feathers. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Matthias Tengblad of CoWrite. Matthias, welcome to The Future of What? Thanks a lot. So tell my listeners, what is CoWrite? What do you guys do? Thanks a lot for asking. CoWrite is my baby that I've been working with for a couple of years developing, <laughs> and uh, it's basically a dream of trying to really change the music industry in its foundation. To start with, I've been around for a while in the music industry in Sweden and also worked a lot within media and different kinds of companies with development and digital product development, etc. But realized that the music industry that has been chasing, as everybody knows, for, for the last decade or so is going into a very interesting mood where we will see like millions of artists actually making a living out of streaming revenues that grows globally. And that sort of situation, taking this sort of fantastic industry to like a mass market of, of, of fantastic professional artists means that the traditional industry will have a tough time to cope with all these new musicians and artists out there. So our idea was basically to try to help and empower this newer generation of creators by sort of inviting the fans closer to the real project, basically invite all the fans to the band, if you say so. So meaning there are there will be like billions of people out there actually loving music and prepared to spend a couple of dollars on investing in music they love. So the thing we did was to build a platform, which is basically on one hand, a crowdfunding-like platform where we enable fans and investors from all over the planet to actually invest in songs that they like with artists that they fancy and, and, and love. And then on the other part of the, of the platform, we have a distribution solution. So the artists can actually distribute the music to all the digital outlets like Spotify and Apple Music of the planet. And then we will help gathering all the money and split the money based on the deal that's done in the service. So the idea is basically to help the artist get funded and then use the power of the fans to actually get the music out there and spread and streamed as much as possible. And then potentially in the end, when everything is a success, share some of the revenues with the, with the fans that helped him along the way. That's, that's the basic of the idea. Excellent. Well, let's take the crowdfunding portion first. Yep. I think that's the part to start with. So basically, you're going to offer like, you know, there are crowdfunding sites out there. So you're going to you're going to offer fans the opportunity to contribute some money to make some more music by the artists that they like. Now, are you going to do that by having artists just already on the site and the fans go to your site for the discovery portion as well? I would say the idea is to get funding from an artist perspective, to get funding to basically whatever kind of activity you think is necessary to invest in your career. So it could be that you want investment to be able to have the greatest mixer for the tracks that you currently are producing, or it could be that the track is actually finalized and done, so now you need some money to be able to hire a promotion person to help you with the promotion, or it could be that you actually have dreamed all your life to make a crazy video out in Alaska, and that's where you want the money for. So the, the sort of story about what the money is going to be sort of used for is very important, as we say. And the new thing here, crowdfunding has been around for a while. As you know, like Kickstarter has had a lot of music projects, but it always ended up in like a services and product that which not the core. So the, the thing with Corex is that you actually invest in the music and such. 
So the fan will invest in your music. And then when it's spread and, and the revenue starts to come from Spotify and other sources, they will be part of the mix, basically part of the band getting royalties in the same fashion as the artists are. That is the thing with Korak. But the goal with investment, it's always up to the artist to decide how to use the money. I see. So in, in other words, instead of like on Kickstarter or Pledge Music RIP, people would give gifts, right? Like there would be a thing that you got for a $10 donation and a thing that you got for a $25 donation. But in this case, you're not asking artists to do that because a lot of artists have said that that sort of turns into a cottage industry in itself where you're basically just spending all your time fulfilling all these things that you made for your fans. <laughs> exactly. So that's, we, we believe basically if you put it a bit blunt, it would say like, I don't want to do like a crazy foot massage in a hotel room in New York. That's not how, what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm like, I want to do right. a new song. So I want to, I want to get your fans to help me do the next great song or distribute and help me actually market my new song. And this is the core, I think will be the difference here. So Let's say that you're a, a bigger artist that managed to get 1,000 investors on board in this campaign, for instance. So everybody's paying like $10 each in a very simple fashion through our system. And then you, you get a small piece of this revenue coming in the next year from the song. And then the song is out there. And then our service will be able to communicate with all these 1,000 people, which be like a, a digital street team that could help spread the song, listen more to the song, and spread it to all the friends you can. If you possibly have any media connections, you will push the song there, etc. So you will have like a crowd of like the inner circle of your core, of your fans, the core team that will actually help you get marketed and promoted. In a world today, I think Spotify is releasing 40,000 songs every single day. So it's a kind of a big noise to sort of try to sort of break through. So that's where we believe we can make the most difference. So if you gather these core fans, they will actually help you to cut through that noise and potentially take it to the next level. The beauty with that would be like, if that happens, then all the algorithms out there from Spotify and Apple Music, they will start to notice some attraction here. So things are happening, you're trending on somewhere, etc. That will help the, the ball to roll and, and get you somewhere and build your career from. That's the core. So let the artists focus on what they love to do, meaning the music, and then get asked for help or support and actually inviting the fans because we believe it's rather a service that when the artist is actually letting the fans in rather than it's like a pure sort of funding. It's, it's more like getting involved with each other and do things that could help them both succeed. Right. So now is Co-Write going to be in charge of paying out those royalties to the fans? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's what you guys do in the back end. So we're basically building a, a pretty advanced royalty share mechanism. That's what we're doing. So we, you, you can consider us in that perspective, we're just like a music label. So we have the deals with all the services out there. We will bring in the royalty and we will split them both on the like master owners, like the artist and the producer and all the sort of usual suspects. But then also we could share the piece of the pie with like thousands of fans out there. So that's part. And we do that with like big international payment providers like Stripe and PayPal and all the services that's already on the market, which is like the beauty today. If you build a unique service in the middle, there is always like commodity service around you that's already existing that you just hook up with a smart API and then you're up and running. Right. So that's basically how we built it. And so then the distribution portion of what you guys are going to do is sort of similar to like a CD baby or something that exists for, for artists to be able to get their music out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I would say it's basically exactly the same. And most of the services out there today are using the same kind of suppliers for that. I would consider distribution of music is a commodity. There are services like Amuse that offers it for free. So it's like, if you are an artist with a great song, you can always get it out there without that big of a hassle. So from our end, it's more important for us to sort of take care of that service for the artists that we are helping because we need to be in control of the entire sort of the financial chain so we can actually split the royalties when they come in. And also, the next thing, is, which is kind of cool with the master rights right now, we have like, you have your total transparency. You see every single day you get reports from the services uh, talking about how many streams you have. And this is very interesting data for the fans to actually follow. So we can do a lot of fun marketing around that. So for instance, one week after the release, we can say, well, we passed 100,000, play it even more and spread it even more. And then uh, all of a sudden you reach the gold level. So then you can send out the digital gold placket for every fan that's invested and, and sort of create this kind of inner circle community, which we believe could be like a 
yeah, an effective platform for, for the artist. So how are artists going to interact with CoRate? Is it something that they're going to have to pay to join? No, not, not at all. So one of our sort of core values is that we actually genuinely want to help artists. So we try to sort of create the service and the company in a, as transparent as possible. So the way you use it as an artist is you basically you put up your project just as in Kickstarter, but you also put up your song with the metadata that it's required to, to get it out on the services. And we will help in that process by sort of guiding in what is the smartest way to sell a campaign like this or sort of get the song funded. So that's the first step. Our business model is based on two parts. One is when we are raising the money together, in the end, when the campaign is done and the artist is about to take out their money, we will charge a 5% fee, some of the campaign, basically. And then after that, we are releasing the song on, on the digital services, and we also take 5% of the royalties coming in from those services. So that's our business model, is like a 5 plus 5. And we believe that's fair enough <laughs> for the service that we provide. Definitely. And you guys, I mean, if you're going to be paying out royalties, then you're really developing quite an extensive back end. I mean, as someone who did that for the last 13 years, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. But actually, we can thank our partners out there like Fuga, for instance, that is like the biggest partner on the planet handling distribution to digital service. So they are helping us a lot. And we also have the deal with this network in Merlin uh, that helps us with the commercial deal so we can actually deliver the, the songs to all services out there. So all these kind of back-end heavy lifting services are already there. So we could focus all our energy to actually build this sort of engine that actually could split all these things in, in the in the small pieces. So we like a micropayment solution for royalty payouts, I would say. Right. So this is part of what seems to be a, a very important trend right now in the music industry, which is sort of this notion of alternative funding sources for artists. So, you know, people have been saying for years that artists don't need a record label. And what I always say to that is, well, I guess you don't need a record label per se that's, you know, has a sign on it that says I'm a record label, but what you definitely need is a team that's doing your business. Yeah. However that may be constituted. And so it seems like this is another player in that arena. You guys are stepping into that role. Yeah, I would say as an artist you need a bunch of services if you're not like Superman and do everything on your own, which <laughs> some are. So if you're looking at the music industry, the the thing they're actually the value they provide in a general matter is like they're good in finding the talent to begin with, and then they're pretty good in developing the talent, and then they finance the talent, and then finally they market and, and promote the talent, and in the end they gather the money and, and try to split the royalty. So that's basically what the, the whole value chain. And what happened in the music industry, the, the first parts, basically the distribution, and that's already taken care of by the digital providers out there. So you don't have to make any CDs anymore. But still, fans out there, the trend is basically that there's, tons of fans it's it's also pretty simple and cheap to produce music today so you can come to a certain level of high quality music and and distribute it and that's a typical trend it's like as it is today's 40,000 songs every day that's released and there are i think daniel Ek at spotify he has a vision he said in some interview that today around 35,000 artists actually make enough money on spotify only to be able to live on it and he believed that, and his vision is that Spotify would provide money enough for millions of artists in the next couple of years to live on their music. In that kind of environment, the traditional labels, they can take care of all these kind of people. And these guys will still need funding and they will need the marketing support. So our sort of help in this, we will take care of the funding part. And we also believe that by doing it through the fans, the artists will gather enough sort of promotion power in his fan layer of, of super fans that actually will help him with the promotion as well. And then the money he gets from the funding, he or she could obviously use for whatever kind of purpose. If that is hiring a radio promoter or putting up a billboard on Sunset Boulevard, I don't know, but it would probably depend from artist to artist. It could also be hire a, a manager or hire a, a gun for hire for, for money or percentage or whatever. So I'm totally with you that an artist needs the team but I, I think we will see different kinds of teams growing up in the future. And, and I also believe that the big labels, they will also embrace this kind of change because I was at Universal for five years and we did a lot of fun things when we realized that CD was dead and Spotify was taking over. So we created this, you know, Digster playlist service that now is one of the biggest sort of promoters of, of in Spotify. And we did Spin Up, which was a free distribution service. And that was all inside of Universal Music. So I think the big labels will definitely follow and, and try to adapt 
So I would say that we are not challenging any certain kind of company. We're rather challenging the old school model in a new way of which is necessary when things are changing. Right. Absolutely. We're seeing that through the industry. So where are you guys at? You guys are rolling this out over the next few months? Yeah, we're Sweden-based. So we're in Stockholm and we have developed a product here. And we are now launching a beta version, which would be a bit closed with a sort of limited number of projects the next couple of months. And then the plan is next year to roll it out globally as fast as possible. And it's definitely a global kind of service because of our business model. We need pretty much scale to to get this up and running. And it's also part of the vision to be able to help many rather than help a few. That's important for us. So we will aim for the big music markets to begin with. So uh, hopefully coming to US and and UK and the rest of the European Union, but also now looking at India, which is under fast development. And then you have like, you know, Korea, it's crazy how, how Korean music is growing like now is they actually come into the US I guess so there are there are plenty of opportunities and if you look at the streaming model which is like based for our model that is the thing that will continue to grow in the next couple of 10 years so so we try to follow that trend basically awesome well Matthias Tengblad of Co-Write, co-write.com is the URL yes thank you so much for being with me today on the future of what thanks a lot
That was Mind Hole by Numbers. You're listening to The Future of What? After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. Also, check out our short podcast series about Bratmobile's Potty Mouth. It's called Girl Germs, and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Yane Lahavi of Pitch. Yane, welcome to The Future of What? Thank you, Portia. Happy to be here. So why don't we start out by having you tell us what Pitch is and what you guys do? Sure. So Pitch is a coach. Pitch teaches people how to sing songs they love. The idea came to me while sitting in a new Ford F-150 pickup truck and enjoying the cockpit experience. Everything was very nice. Siri could hear me well. I was toying around with the reception of the mics and everything came through. Siri understood what I said. Then I turned on the radio and a song came around, a song that I've known for a long time, while my guitar gently weeps by George Harrison. And I was trying to sing along like I always do and, and I couldn't get the words straight. And it struck me that smart cockpit in the pickup truck should have known that I'm having an issue and should have stepped in to help me. And that's what we set out to do. So that's what we done. So explain for our listeners how this works, because I think this is a really, I mean, it's an interesting idea, but it, the way that you guys have made it into something that monetizes existing songs for artists in a new way is, I think, what makes Pitch a really interesting model. Sure. So then I went into this and started researching what exists and how the music industry functions with the goal of not eating anybody's lunch and not interfering with something that's already there. I wanted this to be a service that is attractive to the industry, attractive to musicians, attractive to the fans. For, look for a way to do this in such manner that it will not be disruptive in any way. And so we managed to create the business model in such a way that it doesn't cannibalize existing business. What we do is we charge for the coaching. And so the fan who came across a song that she likes to sing along with, and this happens to be a song that we have on the platform, has to buy the song. And when you buy the song, we share revenues with everyone involved per the usual industry norms. Another thing that's interesting here that we built into the structure is we don't want pitch to be a place where you are looking for music. This is not a music discovery service. We rather depend on the others, and there's plenty of them. And the idea is if you have a song that you found and you like it, come to us to learn how to sing it, and we'll send you back to the music discovery services to find some other music that you may like. Mm. The idea is not only do we generate a new source of revenue for the musicians, we don't cannibalize existing ones and we support the existing ones. Make sense? Absolutely. And I know you have some interesting things on there. So you have at least one song where the artist himself teaches the person to sing, correct? Yes. So initially the idea was to have a voice, a persona that we develop, which is the pitch persona, and she is your coach. And of course, we were thinking about having different pitches that have different accents and speak different languages for different markets and so on. But then as we were recording one of our artists, the idea came that why shouldn't the artist do this? Why shouldn't the artist be the coach for his own song? And we tried that, and that was the thing that everybody really liked. And so we give musicians the option to coach the song themselves. This seems to be the cool part of the product. We encourage the artists to be themselves, to talk to the fan base the way that they usually talk to the fan base. What I like to say to the musicians is, you know, you're not talking to me, you're not talking to the mic, you're talking to your fans, so be yourself. That generates a certain level of intimacy, a certain level of proximity between the fan and the musician that is usually available only in a live concert, but that person is sitting with you in your bedroom, is sitting with you in your car, and this is a novelty. This is something that we don't have elsewhere. 
And then there was something else funny. We had one of those technical accidents where <laughs> we were missing some recording from the coaching artist. And when that happens, the pitch persona steps in and, and continues the conversation. And so we had this situation where two people were coaching the song that, like I said, was an accident. But that sounded really cool. <laughs> so what we are... <laughs> What we're doing now is we're offering this to bands and to situations where, you know, two people want to coach a song together. Wow. That is a particularly cool feature because, you know, the industry is constantly looking for ways for fans to interact directly with the artists that they love. You know, that's such a big thing, especially in tech is, you know, we're trying to, everyone's always trying to come up with, you know, new ways for artists and fans to connect in a way that's, you know, not actually physically connecting, but, you know, where the fans are feeling like they're getting a personal experience from the artist. So that's really cool. That's another feature of pitch that's pretty interesting. So my understanding is there's also kind of like a gaming component to it. Like there's there's prizes and incentives and things. Can you talk about that? Yes. So now it starts getting really interesting. So, you know, for me, I, I am new to the music industry. That's not where I grew up. And I had to do a lot of reading to be able to speak professionally in the space. And while I was reading about all this stuff, I came across some studies that were done about the benefits of singing to the mental health and the physiological, physical health of singers. And turns out that this is well known among some circles. People know about these values, and unfortunately, it's not spread out enough. And so this is something that we set out to do for people, and it's a goal of ours to use music to make people feel better about themselves, feel accomplished throughout their lives, and to bring in the musicians as the people who cause this magic. I think this is all really cool. But anyway, while doing all these studies... We started uh, learning also about the theory of education. And people who understand education will tell you that the process of learning is hard. People don't like to learn because it's difficult. And there are, there are physiological reasons for that. But music is fun. And it turns out that people are willing to learn more when the activity includes a fun factor. And so we said, okay, so we got music on our side. What else can we do to make it even more fun? And the next idea was to gamify this thing. And this is something that we are working on currently. And I just this morning saw the first version of it, and it was really cool. We rank you as you learn the song. We score you anyway, in order to conduct your coaching, right? So if you have a certain line in the lyrics or a certain verse done right, we, we don't pause you, we don't need to correct you, but if you don't get it right, we, we pause the music and we help you get through it. So we have that already. And then the idea was to expose that score, show it on the screen so that you know where you are. People like to know how they're doing, most people. And then you can take that further and you can compare your score to your friend's score on the same song. And then you can take that further and say, we can create a fan club. So uh, here's the fan club of my high school for this particular song or for this particular artist. And we are going to compete with the fan club of some other high school on the same song. Or you can take that further, and that's where I hope to see it in due time. And when a band goes on a tour, we want to see the fan club of Los Angeles beating the fan club of Boston. Forgive me, Boston listeners. <laughs> on the performance of the set list. So that's the gamification that we're working on. Interesting. That is very interesting. And I guess, you know, a big question for anyone listening would be, where are these lyrics coming from? You know, how do you guys guarantee that these lyrics are, in fact, the real lyrics of the songs? Because I know I know we've had some trouble in the past with lyrics on the internet just not necessarily being correct. Sure. So, you know, what, what is, as I mentioned to you before, what is really critical for me is to make 
everybody involved feel good about this and help us out. We are taking our lyrics from the source, be it the publisher or be it the musician or whoever tells us that this is the thing, that's what we take. We then need to do a little bit of adjustment. So, for example, if you think about the national anthem, where the lyrics are very long, every line has a lot of words in it, this doesn't fit into the human brain very well, which probably explains why so few people remember it. (laughs) (laughs) And so what we need to do is we take the original lyrics that we receive from the owner, and we need to do some adjustments in some cases. So if the lines are very long and are difficult to memorize, we may ask permission to chop them down into digestible sizes. We also chop the song up into a bunch of lyrics that you can coach in one session without the fan getting tired. So, you know, with popular music, this is usually not a problem, but with some music that is very lyrical, if you think about Bob Dylan, it goes on and on and on, and you have to give some pauses in the learning process so that the fan doesn't get distracted and fatigued. But back to your question, we go to the source. We don't pick it up from the internet. Got it. Well, Yane Lahavi of Pitch, thank you so much for being with me today on The Future of What? This was very informative. Thank you, Portia. It was a great pleasure. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Horse Feathers, Numbers, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at thefutureofwhatshow.com and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next week.